Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I'm continuing the conversation with Shannon Thomas, author of Healing from Hidden Abuse. Today, if you did not hear last week's episode, please go do that first and then join us here. I am recording this on March 15th, 2020, and it will air in, I'm not sure, like maybe three, four, six weeks-ish. So I don't know what the status is of the coronavirus, um, so I don't want to say anything. It could be really bad. It could be okay. Uh, I don't know. But um, I think we're all apprehensive about the future right now on March 15th, and I hope that by the time this airs, things have gotten better. But if they have not, know that my prayers are with you. And also, our Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, thank goodness, is all online. So you can get the help that you need immediately. Please go to our site, btr.org, to be able to speak with someone who understands your situation. You don't have to leave your house. You can do it from your closet. You can do it in your car. As long as the internet is still working, we are here. All right, now we're going to catch up with the conversation with Shannon Thomas. And I start talking by explaining our demographic here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery that we've specifically focused on wives and ex-wives of porn users and porn use as an abuse issue. On this podcast, I speak in a gender segregated way because our audience, Betrayal Trauma Recovery, is solely for women victims of male perpetrators. Although I recognize that there are some abusive women out there and there are women who use pornography, I don't want to discount that, but because this audience is specifically for women victims of male perpetrators, the pressure that they're under to hold things together is crazy. And the psychological damage that it does, because not only are they being abused by their addicted husband, but they're being also abused by proxy, by clergy, therapists, and other people who are sort of buying into this whole let's help him get better and you need to be patient and you need to expect relapses and all that business, right? Exactly. And I think it's perfectly fine when podcasts and therapists and authors and other people are very upfront about the work they do. And your work is to women who have been affected by this specific toxic behavior. I think that there's lots of room for other people to do the work with abuse survivors that gender identify different. So I don't think there's any problem whatsoever with segregating by gender. We just have to make sure that we also know that it happens across a wide range as you do. But we get to specialize in whatever we are called to do. And that doesn't negate anybody else's abuse experience. We have this sort of competing like we have to all be talking about every person that you know experiences abuse. Well, maybe we're called to a very specific group of people, and that is perfectly fine. Yeah, I actually think that's probably why I get a lot of heat is because people are like, well, there are women that use porn. And I'm like, yes, I know that, but that is not our specific audience. If there is you know, someone else who wants to take over that other demographic, then shine on, you know, but this is our specific one. And we are also here because I think, at least in our case, there is so much misinformation for wives and ex-wives of porn users that I felt like we really need something specifically for this demographic. 
pretty much how I feel about, you know, hidden abuse. I also very much focus in on those abuses that are hard to describe and those abuses that are not as widely recognized. So that's why I ended up writing Healing from Hidden Abuse is because I wanted to talk about hidden abuse that's not gender specific, that is talking about the behaviors of hidden abuse, but not based on which gender or the perpetrator might be so that we can just educate broadly. But that's what I'm called to do, not those abuses that are very obvious that we as a culture are really starting to identify, but those ones that are hidden regardless of the gender. And whoever you are, it's going to benefit you to become educated about abuse because if you don't become educated about it, it doesn't mean that it's not existing, right? It is existing in and of itself. When you get educated about it, you're just able to identify it better and talk about it in a way that helps you progress your healing. But it's not going to create abuse out of thin air, right? It's not like you're going to read it and then it's going to like suddenly appear out of nowhere. It only helps you identify it. I think that's a great point. If I could touch on that, I have, you know, clients that come in that have read the book or maybe have, you know, heard me on a podcast or on my social media posts and their story doesn't fit psychological abuse. It fits not a healthy relationship, something that they want to assess whether they want to stay in or not, but it doesn't fit the criteria and sort of the model of what psychological and emotional abuse is. And what I always say to them is you don't want to go for cancer treatment if you have a cold. So just reading a book, listening to a podcast, you know, educating yourself, if your situation does not fit, it's going to be very obvious. It just doesn't fit. Just like going and getting lab work, doctor looks at it. If it looks a certain way, it looks a certain way. If it doesn't, it just doesn't. So I think that that's one of the misnomers or that people complain a lot about is, oh, well, you're going to that therapist or, oh, you're reading that book and now you're going to see abuse. And that's just not the case at all. It's either there or it isn't. It resonates or it doesn't. So as a trauma therapist, you work with women who've experienced trauma through betrayal by their spouses. What do you see as the biggest challenge to healing from this specific form of trauma? I think the biggest challenge is being able to recognize that that's real, that hidden abuse, that abuse while a partner is or was going through porn addiction, that that can be traumatic. And having to recognize that that trauma is real. I describe that they can get it and they can feel it and it's like sand in their hands and then it just kind of rushes through and all of a sudden now they're back to despair, back to the self-blame, back to being twisted up within some of the stories that the abuser gave them. We have to do a lot of deprogramming when it comes to hidden abuse because it's much like being in a cult where if you're told something and you believe something and there's a trauma bond that has happened, it's very difficult to maintain being grounded. So I think that can be one of the biggest challenges is recognizing that this really did happen, this is the truth, and not slipping back into that self-blame and back into that sort of cult-like thinking where it's not the abuser, it's the victim's fault. So with this demographic, you've also written about the challenges of perimenopause that happen with 
the situation, right, for the survivors of trauma. Why is this time in a woman's life extra challenging from a mental health perspective? And before you answer this question, we have so many women that during this time is when they find out that they have experienced 30 years of psychological abuse. And it's just kind of interesting, like when the kids move out or it seems like patterns, like women find out right after they've had their baby, for example, and women find out once the kids have moved out or when they're going through these stages. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts about this specific group. Yeah, and that's really heartbreaking to know that I've heard this before where a lot of these betrayals are coming out after just having a baby, you know, which is this wonderful height, but also mind, body, spirit going through so much with becoming a mom, whether it's the first time or second or fourth time, it's still this head to toe experience. And then being the moment where you find out about the betrayal. Or going through perimenopause where, you know, maybe they still have teenagers in the home, which has its own challenges and great things. Or being an empty nester and finding out, okay, these are the lies that have been seeped into the walls for all of these years. And you kind of knew something wasn't right, but couldn't quite figure it out. I think perimenopause in particular, you know, as they move into menopause, is very difficult for trauma survivors because it's kind of, they call it that second puberty, where you end up getting a rush and a change of hormones. And for some women, they are not impacted by their hormones changing. Perimenopause isn't exceptionally harder on some people because their hormones are so radically different than others. It's just that hormone changes impact women differently and individually. Some women who experience postpartum definitely know that perimenopause can be a more challenging time for them because they do swing with the changes that are going on within their body. Trauma survivors and those that are prone to more anxiety or depression can also really feel those shifts in hormones. And I think that it's from a mental health perspective, this sneaks up on us, even as a seasoned therapist myself, you know, hitting 48, I'm 49 now, will be 50 in the summer. I started having reoccurrence. I'm also a trauma survivor, and I put that out there in the books and in my writing. But right around 48, I started having a lot more anxiety, some panic attacks again. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? There's nothing warranting this right now. And what I came to realize through really, it took about six months to a year of really getting it under my belt was that these were the shifts with the hormone fluctuations were causing old mental health, old anxiety, old panic to come up. And it's really off-putting and it's really, really hard when you feel like I need everything I have right now for what I'm going through to feel good and I'm on this roller coaster. I think it also is rooted in compassion. You know, I think that that's where I ended up and what I suggest for clients is once we come to realize, okay, this is what's happening. You know, you get your first hot flash and you're like, oh, I'm getting sick. I better go take my temperature. And you're like, yeah, my temperature's normal. Why am I sweating? You know, it's a really weird experience, especially for those of us that 48 hit me like real surprised. I've just been rocking and rolling, doing my thing, having fun, feeling great, really not noticing that I'm aging, to be quite frank, because I don't really focus in on it. I'm just happy doing what I'm doing with books and my work and life and things. And so I don't feel like I'm going to be 50 at all. So it was very surprising of like, wow, like I really am in my late 40s. How did that even happen? So when I came to realize, okay, this is what's happening. I'm having hot flashes. I'm having some night sweats. And now I'm starting to feel sort of some anxieties that seem to be clocking with different, you know, hormonal rhythms and things. It's like, all right, here's where I'm at. 
it's just a very self-compassion focused, not panicking, not realizing that, oh my gosh, I'm having a nervous breakdown or I'm something terrible is happening. It's a lot of gentleness. And then also recognizing it can be very empowering to say, I don't want to and I can't throttle at the level that I used to. I think we take better care of ourselves when we start to get to a place where it's like, I don't want to be exhausted. And for me not to be exhausted, I have to learn how to say no. And for me to go out and enjoy company and enjoy social time, I really need to be around people. I really enjoy their company. (laughs) It can also really trim some things in our life that maybe prior to we kind of been like, oh, it's okay. I'll just put up with that or, oh, it's okay. But when our bandwidth starts to become less, we start to value our time a whole lot more and our physical wellness. So it gets to be where, you know what, those people stress me out. They might be family, they could be extended family, it could be friends, it could be all kinds of things. It could be a job that we get to step back and be like, you know what, it's time for me to make some change because I matter. And so that's been the real positive side of it. I just don't want people to be surprised when perimenopause comes because I've gone to my annual visits every year. I have a great OBGYN. He asks me all the questions and every year I'm like, nope, 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 fine, fine, fine. Can I get out of here? (laughs) And then all of a sudden it was like these weirder symptoms started popping up that I wasn't really paying attention to some of the traditional and then some that I was like, I'm not really sure if this is associated with hormonal changes. And when I came to realize, yes, they are, then it's like, okay, this is where I'm at in life. And I'm going to be gentler with myself because we can be very harsh with ourselves, even therapists, you know, we can drive and push and expect more. And you know what? We're human beings and we get to treat ourselves with that compassion. Yeah. So speaking of that, when you're thinking, what is going on, right? Is it my hormones? Is it trauma resurfacing? Like trying to problem solve. What is happening with me? What are a few suggestions you have for women who are facing the resurface of old trauma experiences or a sudden increase of anxiety and depression? Well, the first thing I always suggest for folks is to go get blood work. Go make sure that thyroid issues aren't popping up because thyroid issues can definitely mimic a depressive, low energy. Get hormones checked. In the beginning for me, you know, my hormones looked normal, but I was getting hot flashes. I was starting to get some night sweats. And the doctor described that, you know, that can happen where hormones are in kind of a normal range, but you're starting to get missed periods or things are happening. And so I think that some of the suggestions are going from a medical of, you know, get some blood work done. Let's see. Because then when I went back this year, yeah, the blood work was starting to show that I was actually in perimenopause. It was actually a relief to be like, okay, this is really what's happening. And now I know why things have changed a little bit. I also think that it may not be old traumas that are resurfacing, but it may be that that anxiety is starting to kick back in because of the hormonal changes. We know how much that impacts brain function and our emotional state, that being very gentle of being able to do some journaling, recognize that if there are old traumas or old hurts that are resurfacing, being able to ask, okay, what work do I need to do? And not in the work through it kind of way, but what kind of processing do I need to do about this? Why am I grieving this again? And how can I grieve it with just a lot of gentleness towards myself? 
I think it's okay if we set a timer for five minutes, if we set a timer for 10 minutes and say, you know what, I'm just gonna sit here in this for this very small amount of time. And then when the timer goes off, I'm done. You know, there's different philosophies around trauma and I am a certified trauma therapist and this is a philosophy that I believe in. Other therapists believe different things. I believe that when we've gone through trauma, it's kind of like being in a ski accident. If we were skiing and we really damaged our leg and we have rods and pins and all kinds of things that kind of keep it together, we're always going to know that that happened and there's going to be really good days and there's going to be days that that hurts because it's no longer what it was before. Some trauma therapists believe that once you've processed all of it, none of that pain's gonna come back up. And I just don't believe that. Just like if we had a reconstructed body part, there will be good days and there will be days that it hurts. And I think that we have to give ourselves that ability to say, today's a day that I'm hurting. And how do I get through the day? How do I shorten my list? How do I do the things that I need to do so that I am still a functional adult? But where do I give myself the grace to say, my nervous system, my brain chemistry, my body is different post-trauma than it was before. And today's a day I can give myself a break. I may feel much better tomorrow. And tomorrow I'm going to full throttle and ski down that mountain and feel better. But we have to remember that that trauma is still there. I agree with you (laughs) that the pain can come up. It can sort of cycle through. And I appreciate you saying that because I think the like you'll never feel it again mentality that some people feel is adds guilt if you do feel it again. Because it's like, wait a minute, I thought I'd done all this work and I thought I was doing great. And then here I'm having a bad day instead of the perspective that you may have issues from time to time is so much more compassionate because then it's like, oh, I'm still doing it right. I'm doing okay. It's compassionate and it's realistic. I personally think that there's some real flaws in the belief system that once I processed it, it's never going to come back up. And if it has, it's somehow something that I haven't done to work through it or to forgive or to heal or blah, 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 whatever that might look like. And I don't think that that's true at all. I don't think that that's true. I think that it's we have to incorporate that the pain will come up, that we have these coping skills, we have this ability to work through it so we can work through it so it isn't debilitating. But we have to give ourselves the recognition that there will be times that what we have gone through impacts us at a greater level than the day before. We don't know why. Sometimes as a trauma survivor, you wake up and you can just feel it. I don't know if it was dreams or just didn't sleep well or something just brought it up and you open your eyes and you're like, hmm, not as good of a day, but what can I do to make it better? And what can I do to be kind to myself? Because sometimes we have to remind ourselves, this body and this mind and this spirit has gone through a lot. Those aren't excuses. That's just truth. Sky's blue, grass is green. I've gone through a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and with someone who'd been in a debilitating car accident, it's 20 years later, let's just pretend, and they're limping a little bit because their knee's hurting. No one's going to look at them and be like, well, you should have just gotten over it. Not at all. (laughs) Great, great picture. For my audience, it seems so sort of misogynistic. Like women should be able to take a lot of trauma and just keep on. It's cray cray, actually. I would agree with you. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I do think that there is a gender specific pressure that is put on women to stop being emotional and get over things and move on 
And I can tell you, there's no human being that's just doing that regardless of gender. But there is an extra special pressure that when women have bad days or it's just a harder day, that hormones get blamed or this gets blamed or they're not forgiving or the whole litany of excuses. You know, I think the biggest takeaway is that hidden abuse is real, that it involves lots of different forms of abuse, and that trauma is something that we can definitely get past as far as functioning day to day, but we must incorporate grace and compassion towards ourselves for those days that are just harder because we will move through them quicker if we can adjust for a day or two or an hour or two or whatever we need we will move through those harder moments quicker and get back to the vibrancy that we were feeling before well thank you so much for coming on today's episode You can find her book, Healing from Hidden Abuse, on our website, btr.org backslash books. If you click on that, it will take you directly to Amazon where you can order it and have it delivered from your home. It's also available on audiobook. I highly recommend it. During this crisis, of course, betrayal trauma recovery has taken a hit. For those of you who already support betrayal trauma recovery, thank you. And if any of you can, we really appreciate your support. So please go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the BTR podcast. Similarly, your ratings help isolated women find us. So if this is helpful to you, please rate this podcast on iTunes or your other podcasting apps. And until next week, stay safe out there.